This is bourbonblog.com. It's one of my favorite craft distilleries. It's Kings County Distillery from Brooklyn, New York. It's Colin Spoolman, founder and head distiller there at Kings County. How's it going there, Colin? That's well, good. It's fine. Can't complain. You have. I'll start from the top because we always like to be the first to talk about uh, a special day, special news. Today, something very special is happening there at Kings County, right? Uh, yes. So this is the... Uh, seventh uh, birthday of a, a, a new line of whiskey that we're going to release. Uh, so prior to this moment in, in Kings County's history, we've had a two-year, we've had a four-year, we've had a couple small releases of five-year-old whiskey. Now we're coming out with our the, the first of what is hopefully many uh, barrels of seven-year whiskey to come. Uh, and so that barrel turned seven today. Obviously, we didn't bottle it and package it and get it out to stores and anything like that. But I can tell you it's coming. It's one of the, uh, and congratulations. It's uh, really fun to celebrate that moment. It's, it's one of the oldest barrels that you'll ever have turn of that age of. Well, I'll say we've set aside 25% of our inventory for seven plus year aging. Okay. So it, it will be the first of what are hopefully uh, a, a line of whiskeys to come that are sort of in this, let's say age like conventional American right. bourbon whiskey. Right. So um, I think uh, we have always known that that day would come when we finally caught up to some of the commercial distillers. And I wouldn't even say that day is now, but it's probably, and I say this cautiously, but it might be the oldest bourbon released from outside of bourbon country. So obviously there's older bourbon from Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, right. but as far as being outside of that traditional region, um, this may be the oldest bourbon. I haven't, I haven't looked into it, tried to find right. it, and I think we might be um, there with that. One of the oldest craft still bourbons and definitely the oldest barrel to actually soon go into bottle from uh, Kings County. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that'll be exciting to try. I know I, uh, I tried when I was there in New York. I was there right, in, as you remember, yeah, right. right before the pandemic struck in March, and I was excited to see everybody at Kings County. I tried a, was it a five and a half or six-year-old you were telling me? It's a it's a five-year. Uh, that was, we, we have a sort of blender Beautiful. select program. Ryan Chuchta is our head blender. Yeah. Um, and he, from time to time, will pull an interesting barrel. We actually have another set of blender select coming from him that's kind of a summer flavored, <laughs> I don't know if I have to work on how to, how to uh, sell this one, but kind of more summery flavors, melon. It's, it was uh, distilled in the summer aged, and it picks up kind of melon and cantaloupe. And um, so anyway, he'll pull something that he thinks is interesting for, for some reason in that five year uh, uh, he pulled. Um, so from time to time, we have some of those that are pulled kind of because of their flavor profile, not necessarily because of age, but we all know that, People like age statements, so we've always been holding some set aside for for those age statements as well. Excellent, and uh, so good to see so many great people logging on. If you're watching this on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, as always, like this, share this. We we know there's so many fans of Kings County, and and we really appreciate uh, everything Kings County does, and, and Colin and his whole team for the industry and just such unique and dynamic whiskeys and spirits. And uh, of course, things um, there in New York uh, at the distillery uh, still 
you, you're still doing uh, well, spirits to go. What's, good, what's good to, yeah, yeah. So uh, for three months, we've been making hand sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like every other small distiller in the country. Um, but, doing, it's really great you're doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been it's been um, in the beginning. It was really necessary. I have to say there were there yes. was enough demand for it, and um, uh, honestly, uh, I, I I myself am impressed with what the business did to step up to 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 resolve that situation. Now, I would say you people can find sanitizer from multiple sources and and far more cheaply than they can get it from us. Um, but, uh, so we just went back to whiskey making this week and, right. um, we filled the first of, I think we have eight barrels on the floor that, uh, of, of the return to whiskey production, which, uh, I'll tell you personally, I'm very excited to get back to. That's very exciting. It's good. But in terms of, but just to go back to your question, no, yeah, what please. I say is what we are allowed to do is we can ship any of our whiskeys to anybody with a New York state address. So if you're watching and you're curious, you just go to kingscountydistillery.com. You pick any, uh, some of our kind of well-known whiskeys. And then we also have all of our distillery exclusive whiskeys that can ship within New York state. We have a lot of gift sets. We do some uh, virtual tasting sessions. So you, you get five different whiskeys and then somebody from the distillery will just zoom into your house and walk you through those different whiskeys, which can be fun. Um, and uh, we do cocktails to go now. So at, at the gatehouse, which was our tasting room, uh, we had a lot of different cocktails made with our whiskeys. Now we're bottling those and you can come pick them up and take them on your way. And <laughs> I don't know what you do with them from there is your own business. But um, uh, so, you know, it's it's been a, a funny moment and this is true of many distillers right. moving from being mostly of doing a lot of tours and hosting a lot of visitors and, and, and serving cocktails and now to be more kind of an online e-commerce curbside pickup all of this is pretty new to us and you can and you can actually uh, buy us if you're in new york state again this this law from what i understand and correct me if i'm wrong in prior to COVID, did not exist you couldn't ship with right you. right well this is yeah it's an executive order that for the duration right. of the as long as they let it go um, we can ship our whiskeys direct to people, which I consider to be a real opportunity if you live in New York to right. get some of the more unusual stuff that was distillery only. One of which is, uh, which we, <laughs> we're not tasting it tonight, but because uh, it's so, I, I think we have about 40 bottles left of this, but it's a bottled and bond Applejack. So uh, exciting. So uh, Applejack is, is really a little bit of a forgotten spirit and, and certainly the spirit of New Jersey, New York, um, that kind of uh, Apple, part of Appalachia there. Um, and uh, uh, so we, we had some fun playing with some cider, forgot about it, uh, but we did set aside some barrels for longer aging. And so we have a four-year bottle and bond Applejack that's um, nearly sold out, but not totally sold out. So if anybody's listening and they're into Applejack, that's one to check out. That's really cool. So, would this be uh, a similar recipe as to what we might have had before? What, what? I mean, obviously, you're making it in a yeah, very so different way. What basically we distilled? Uh, it was a tote of cider, or maybe a tote and a half, so uh, 400 gallons or so, and then put it into different size barrels, let it age for different amounts of time. So, we've had an Applejack out before, um, and I would say ours is pretty barrel forward, so more like a Calvados style. Wow apple spirit than 
maybe what people are used to from um, American Applejack, which is not exactly a huge category. So I don't even know if you could say what people are used to. There's obviously Laird's; they're the big, the big player in the space, uh, but and have been around for you know 300 years or something. Um, but it's it's an underlooked category and one that um, I thought it'd be fun to sort of play with. And so actually, we are now looking for if, uh, more cider to distill since right. um, since it's fun. So you took some cider from. From that, that descended region. cider company, actually, at uh, cider uh, company. New York City Cidery, and you and, and, and we distilled it. So hard mm -hmm. cider, Applejack or Apple Brandy is just distilled hard cider, right? And and that's what we did. Well, it's fun to see you create these these one offs, and uh, obviously, always great collections. Otherwise, but you you love doing these these special uh, limited editions. Is this one you think is? you'll do again or is it one that just well that's the thing we're, yeah we, we're trying to find a, a cider source to be able to, to keep it going that's the call he's looking for cider folks if you got some yeah. cider for him uh definitely reach out to colin and again if you are in new york uh log on to uh, no matter where you are log on to kingscountydistillery.com but they can ship yeah. uh, and when you ship you also have someone there at the distillery that kind of takes you on a tour and and guides you on a tasting right if you get one of our virtual tasting packages um yeah. You, you'll get a set of three or five different whiskeys and then included in the price of that set, you can set up an appointment to have um, someone from the distillery uh, visit you virtually and talk to you about whiskey, that. culture, history. Basically, it's the tour that we would give if you came to the distillery, but we just give it to you at home and, and kind of walk you through the different whiskeys. That's cool. And definitely everyone uh, do that experience. It's a great experience to do. We've actually been, uh, we've been doing something, well, we've been doing something similar each night for the last several months here on uh, Bourbon Blog, um, in in the sense of, of uh, interviewing distillers, great people like yourself, but we've also been hosting uh, virtual tastings as well. So we've uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, hosting yeah. those off on the side, and and this is this is something I think we're going to see more and more of these these virtual experiences. Yeah, I, I don't know why it would go away, just because um, you know, obviously. People can, at some point, will be able to return, but um, right. whether or not they choose to is a different story. So I think this may be a, an aspect of the, the, the business shift that will continue. Right. It's definitely something that you, you all have been on top of from the beginning, and, and we've tried to as well. And again, it's uh, Colin Spoolman. If you have any questions for Colin down below, ask them, tweet them back to us. We do this uh, just about every night on Bourbon Blanc forward slash live. Like that, bookmark that, uh, keep coming back and share this video on social with your friends. And we always appreciate questions. So ask us uh, ask us some questions too. Uh, the real question is what is in our glass to begin with? Here is we well, start off. Yeah, I, I don't know what you started with. I started with the, uh, uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. What did you start with? I started with the, I started with the straight bourbon just to, Keep okay. it classic, but let's talk about the white rye. Clear to darker. This white rye, what is this? This is really, this is really interesting and, and tasty. What is this? So, uh, you know, this is a funny thing. A lot of bourbon uh, whiskey connoisseur type people. <laughs> and I don't, uh, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, yes. You know, they, they look down their nose at, at the idea of white whiskey or, or moonshine. And as somebody who grew up in Eastern Kentucky, right. I've always loved moonshine and I've always felt like it was not afforded its due place in culture. And right. in fact, um, 
in, in the great tradition of, you talk about eau de vie from Europe, uh, grappa from Italy, unaged rum, silver tequila is a great example of these unaged pot distilled spirits that have a lot of character that are totally valid. Um, and, and within the world of whiskey, that's what we call moonshine or white whiskey, whatever. Right. And I find it very interesting because uh, a rye spirit, people describe rye whiskey as sometimes being spicy, but in fact, the, the, the white spirit is not necessarily spicy. It's more grassy. It's more um, kind of earthy and it, it, you get sort of even like nutty flavors out of the white spirit. Um, right. And then it kind of yields more to the barrel. So the barrel gives a lot of that spiciness that, that, um, that people associate with rye whiskey. Um, but it, you know, as distillers, we learn by, by eight, you know, we start with the white spirit and we age it forward. And I think there's the number of people who claim to be sort of whiskey connoisseurs and then may not be able to separate a, a rye based unaged distillate from a corn based unaged distillate. <laughs> well, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting conundrum that distillers, we have to learn that and work with it and get to know it by heart. And um, the rest of the people can just look at the bottle and tell you how good a whiskey is. But we have to, you know, do a lot of blind tasting and train our palates. And, and this is where we start. So I've always found the white whiskey uh, to be particularly, you know, interesting as, as education, but interesting in its own right as a spirit. Right. And we do a lot of cocktails in our tasting room with, with unaged whiskey. If, as I, I certainly prefer it to vodka as a, as a, as a mixer. So, you know, a lot of versatility, a lot of flavor, um, and a lot of, you know, unappreciated potential in unaged yes. whiskeys. A lot of, there's a lot of elegance to this. And, and again, this is, uh, coming in at uh, 40% or 80 proof and, um, yeah. very soft, easy to drink. Uh, and I know I've had uh, a few of those Cocktails on which which are the ones you do in the tasting room with with the white whiskeys because I know I've had those but I'm so we do a, a white uh, uh, like a margarita with a moonshine margarita um, mm. we do uh, we always have a moonshine punch on the menu that's kind of just uh, you know uh, bartender's whim I guess I would say um, mm. and yeah it's a, it's a it's a rotating thing I mean uh, I, we we try to keep it pretty fresh, but um, our, our margarita is our most popular cocktail. Yeah. It's made with whiskey, not with tequila. Yes, no, it's, uh, this is really, uh, this is really good. So this again is a white rye. This is, this would be the rye uh, recipe that you do in your, uh, your empire. Yeah, so this is the base spirit of our empire rye. Mm. So that's a 80% a uh, for, in our case, it has to be 75% rye grain grown in New York state. Ours is 80%. And then the other 20% is, is malted barley. And it's really the inverse mash bill of our bourbon. So our bourbon is 80% New York State organic corn. The rye whiskey is New York State organic rye. And then the other 20% is an English malted barley golden promise. Um, and it's a weird mash bill. If you're a bourbon person, you're going to say, where's the rye? Where's the wheat? But uh, we do a high malt bourbon, high corn bourbon. Um, and, and for our rye whiskey, it's just, it's the same, but with rye. All uh, within this bottle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the, uh, the empire state rye is according to hundred percent New York. 
No, Empire, well, Empire Rye. Yeah, well, tell us the definition of that. that yeah, sure. So, and I'll just tell you what, what Empire Rye is, because right, you know, right. it's, it's a made up thing. But Empire Rye was a, uh, a project that Nicole Austin began when she was our head blender. Happy birthday, Nicole. It's her birthday. It's her birthday. Uh, Happy birthday, Nicole. Yes, That's great. Right. Um, so she's now the head distiller at George Dickel in Tennessee, but one of her ideas with other New York distillers, I don't want to give Nicole sole credit, but with uh, Christopher uh, of Copper Sea and right. uh, uh, New York Distilling Company, Van Brunt, other, other distillers throughout the state, uh, the, the idea was hatched to do a New York State style rye whiskey. And wow. I thought, well, there is no real New York State rye, style rye whiskey, so we're just making it up. And I thought that was sort of maybe not going to connect with people. But we, we jumped into it anyway, and boy, do I wish we had made a lot more than we did, because if you think about what Tennessee whiskey is to bourbon, it is, it is just bourbon made in Tennessee. I mean, there's, there's a little tiny procedural tweak to it that may or may not have um, an impact depending on how you play it as a, as a producer. So for us, the Empire Rye was, was very similar in, in that it's, it's a way to argue through the origin of the grain and the origin of the distillation for an almost specific category of spirit. Um, so Empire Rye has to be 75% New York State grown rye grain, uh, distilled in New York State, and then meet straight rye whiskey from the federal government. So that white rye is not actually Empire Rye because it's not two years old. It doesn't mean right. straight, it's not aged in a new right. barrel. But if it did, it would become Empire Rye. It would become that. It would become yeah. that. And that's, again, fair, a fairly new recognized category just, what was it, three or four years ago? That was yeah, it's, it's three years uh, this fall that we'll, we'll have had Excellent. that out. I well, I really, I really like the white rye. Of course, you're, the first, yeah. um, the first thing you ever released uh, as a distillery was the was the moonshine, wasn't it? Yeah, and and I mm -hmm. guess uh, you know that I think has helped establish us as a whiskey distillery. We didn't start with gin or vodka. We started with moonshine, and again, as a as a Eastern Kentuckian, I feel very strongly that that moonshine was was maybe due for a cultural reanalysis and obviously there was that moonshiner show on discovery channel and moonshine had a little bit of a, its cultural moment and that moment is on the wane somewhat but i still think as a way to understand whiskey to really appreciate whiskey um you can't overlook the white spirit because everything derives from that and it shows you the ambition of the distiller the talent of the distiller anybody can improve bad spirit through aging but you can't improve bad white spirit unless you go back, scrap right. something, do something differently, different ingredients. Um, yeah. And if it's going to start this good, we know that it's uh, it's going to evolve and yeah. uh, become something special. In fact, Colin even wrote a book on moonshining, uh, <laughs> which uh, definitely you should check out, The Guide to Urban Moonshining and How to Make and Drink Whiskey. That's, that's one of your books there. Uh, great book found on Amazon, everywhere you can buy books, right? You can, you can yeah. get that book. Easier yeah. to get the book than the whiskey, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's at least you could. I recommend a reading it and drinking it, but right, uh, right. You know, at least just read it or drink it. One of the other is good too. Uh, this is really beautiful. I love this. Uh, this is where do we find the white rye? Is it one that's only really? That's a distillery exclusive. So uh, distillery anybody exclusive. in New York State can get it outside yeah. of New York State. Sorry, I don't like yeah. it. 
Otherwise, your moonshine, your your original moonshine, is in Minnesota. That, uh, it's you can find it uh, around around yeah, Tennessee. Right. You can find it in Tennessee. Yes. Um, where there is an audience for for moonshine, I think that's one of the great pleasures of me traveling around. You know, sharing my whiskey with people from around the country is the closer you get to Kentucky and Tennessee the more sort of I feel that people appreciate what we're up to, even yeah. though we're a New York distiller and there's this perception that, oh, what could anybody in New York know about whiskey? Uh, if you get under the hood a little bit of Kings County, there, there is a great um, attention to the tradition that comes out of Kentucky and Tennessee. And, and um, I, I think I've learned a lot from uh, both sides of that culture, the, the, the bourbon sort of commercial side, and then the, sort of under the radar moonshine side. Do you see, I mean, it seems like maybe 10 years ago or so, um, there were there were bartenders, there was a kind of a moonshine movement. There was, right, right. there really is, as we know, no real legal definition for moonshine, but right. many distillers releasing their own age stuff. It seems like there was a whole lot that came onto the market and, and I think there still is, but do you think people, bartenders, enthusiasts have gotten more excited? Has it sort of found a, a certain, uh, placing, you know, just a few enthusiasts' hearts. Where, where does it stand in, in your book as far as the greater picture? I, I think it's becoming a regional style. So if you if you go to, you know, Gatlinburg, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, yeah. that sort of there's a, there's a whole stretch of territory where moonshine is actually the preferred drink over bourbon or Tennessee whiskey. Right. That's just what that's what people want, and that's right. Um, uh, and there's a lot of distillers that have sort of seen that and and they've designed their distilleries around that style um and i think bartenders have opened their minds to unaged whiskey and the potential of it certainly whiskey is so popular that doing something with unaged whiskey if you can make a vodka cocktail into a white whiskey cocktail um i think <laughs> i think more people will order it i mean that's probably not true but yes. but more people will gravitate to it over time and i think that's what's happening in the broader world of whiskey. Well, it's it's delicious stuff. This is one of the more uh, elegant ones I've ever had. It has a lot of subtleties. It has some nice heat, but uh, you got it at a the right proof, I think, for just being yeah. approachable, mixable. Um, and if you get towards the distillery, if you're based towards it, I, actually, I see a few uh, New Yorkers on there. And hello to Dennis, who's uh, watching there in Brooklyn, and Matt, who's also a New York, who's who's been to the distiller with me. A lot of great people watching, uh, and thank you all for watching. Uh, try some of that white rye. Okay, so shall we go to the bourbon next? Where do you want to go? Sure, next? sure. Let's go bourbon. We've got another glass here. We'll we'll just get the straight bourbon whiskey, and uh, this one at uh, right around 90, 90 proof. Yeah, this is this this is your flagship bourbon. This is our flagship bourbon. This is uh, um, uh, again eighty percent New York State organic corn. Um, 20% English malted barley. And the main differentiator of this from what you would see from a commercial Kentucky bourbon distillery is that it's pot distilled. And that is a somewhat technical distinction when you get under the sort of process, there's, there's really two different ways to distill whiskey. One of which is the pot still uh, that's common in, in single malt Scotch whiskey. And the other is a column still, which is more common to America. Uh, North American whiskey, it's Canadian and um, American whiskey. So what we're doing is we're using an, um, a sort of a Scotch style distillation 
to make a high corn, high malt bourbon um, that in this case is two years old. So it's, it's a younger bourbon, but um, partly because we're really, dis the, the distillate as, as you kind of t drawing off the, the rye, if you pay a lot of attention to the distillate, you maybe lower the threshold um, on the aging process. But that being said, obviously we do have some bourbon set aside and that's that seven year that's coming out and more than that to come. I don't want to say that seven years is the oldest we'll ever go, but um, in any case, what's surprising, what I hope that people take away from our bourbon is that people are profoundly impressed that it's a two year bourbon yes. you know? and, and, and not necessarily that this wants to compete with, uh, you know, a 10 year <laughs> wild Turkey Russell's reserve or something like that. But just that this is a really fine, well-made, but to your bourbon. So, and again, it, there might be something a little over two, but it's just about two in here. Well, I'll say the age statement is two. So the, the, the yep. minimum that we ever put in there, the actual average age is closer to three now. Um, mm -hmm. And that's based on using a, a, a slightly different mix of barrels. We're, we're using some 15 gallon barrels. Um, in that process, but all of which is really designed to maximize our output, keep the same flavor profile that we've had in that. But gradually, we're we're finding uh, organically that we're getting older age statements, and right. just uh, it's it's less expensive to fill larger barrels. So right. currently, we're filling only fifty-three gallon barrels, um, but historically, a lot of what we're pulling out of our warehouse are smaller barrels. Historically, they had been smaller barrels going yeah. forward. They're going to be 52. But and of course, this is as the demand has increased, the flavor is really going to be consistent for those Kings County fans watching. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now, it's beautiful stuff. I've always been a big fan of this. And the first time I ever had it, I remember I think I called you and said, How, really, I can't. I, I, was, <laughs> I think I was so shocked that it, it tastes so much older. I mean, I get so many. Right. Uh, older characteristics on this. It's such an, an amazing bourbon that has some of those characteristics that you do find on Kentucky bourbons, but it has something else that's a whole other right. labor layer layer mm -hmm. that we can appreciate from New York. And it's just like this beautiful blend of those worlds. And uh, really, to this day, remains uh, one of my favorite bourbons produced outside of Kentucky. I think it's so incredibly done. It's just so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's so solid. It's so deep. And really is, what what do you attribute the, the, the deeper flavors to? I mean, if you think about it, I would guess four, five, six, sometimes when I've tried it, I've been like, this could be at least four well, or five. It is, it is fun to sneak into a blind test because yeah. it, it is one of those whiskeys that does defy sort of age statement conventionality. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I would say it's the pot distillation, but it's, it's not just the fact that we're running it on a pot still. It's the fact that we are in the way that we use the pot still, taking a narrow cut of what comes out of the still. So if you're running a commercial still, there's sort of a sweet spot in the middle where everything tastes perfect. And then as you get towards the beginning of the run and the end of the run, the flavor can fall off in, in different ways. And so the, the tighter you get around that sweet spot, the, the better your whiskey will be off the still. And we, we have always tended to, to have a low yield per bushel of corn. And what's interesting is looking at Jack Daniel and his marketing back in the 1800s, he would always say, we make a low yield. We, it's, we, we make with two and a half bushels of corn uh, or, or, or 
three and a half bushels of corn, what everybody else makes with um, two and a half. And so, you know, right. he's, he's sort of promoting that his, his yields are low. And so that's kind of true of us as well. I don't know if the, the bushel measure <laughs> resonates, but um, yeah, every distiller says they distill for quality over yield, but ultimately that's a measurable thing and people can get in, in there and take a look at that. I would hold our whiskey up to anything that's commercially available right. on that particular measure. Um, but maybe we should, we were kind of talking there a little bit about, um, you know, what, what differentiates a, a New York bourbon from a- Right, right. What do we want to reach for next? I'm going peated bourbon. Let's go peated. Okay. I have some peated as well at the peated. And again, if you've, if you've tried um, Kings County uh, whiskeys, spirits, uh, tell us down below. Our friend Dennis says he has a 750 milliliter of Kings County at his office. He's tempting me to make a trip to the office and grab. I know he's been staying away from uh, the office <laughs> a little bit. He's not too far away from there, you're there in Brooklyn, Colin. And uh, so if yeah, you're we'll like Dennis. You can ship you another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can, it can happen, Dennis. If you're like Dennis and you've tried uh, their whiskeys, tell us down below what your favorite is. Or, or if hey, if you're just sipping on whiskey, tell us what you're drinking tonight. We always love to hear down below what you're drinking and, uh, and ask questions. We love hearing the questions. I'm going to go ahead in a separate glass and pour some of the peated, which uh, is just such a another combination of worlds that uh, really just showcases something that really had never been done quite like this. Um, and it looks like someone else's, it looks like Matt is, uh, thanks for watching, Matt is, has a 750 of the classic. So yeah. got all kind of people drinking uh, your whiskey tonight. Peated, tell us about peated. So the peated bourbon, and I, I wish I could take credit for the, the conception of it, but really it was, we were making our single malt whiskey, which is a uh, kind of more of a Scotch style whiskey. It includes entirely malted barley, but I wanted to have some peated malted barley in the mix just because um, it's kind of a way to make young whiskey, uh, to improve the complexity of young whiskey. And, uh, and there were some other sort of single malts on the market at the time. And I thought we could probably do something a little bit more classic, a little more elegant. So we had all of this grain in the distillery to do a single malt. And we ran out of the golden promise that we use for the empire rye for the bourbon. And so, uh, Rob, who was the distiller on duty, Rob Easter said, I'm going to put the peated malt cause that's what we have on the floor into the bourbon recipe and peated bourbon was born. And people are familiar with weeded bourbon. That's just using wheat in the mash bill. This right. uses peat and peat, everybody knows peat from Scotch whiskey, uh, particularly those from Isla that have that Lafroig, Lagavulin, Ardbeg, um, that very um, smoky is sort of a, a simple way to put it, but um, a medicinal kind of, um, uh, just a, a, a kind of a, a, a scotchy flavor. I mean, it has that just from the nose onto the flavor. Yeah. It has that peat. It has that um, that smoke. I mean, it's it it's it has the sweetness of a bourbon, but it it just kind of goes in two different directions, but balances itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that this is a whiskey that we all love at the at the distillery. It's kind of the staff favorite. Um, and and you know, the question again is, what are you doing in New York that that couldn't be done in Kentucky. And I think the answer to that question is peated bourbon. Because if we were in Kentucky, I think we would be trying to 
to uh, uh, participate in that tradition of and, and do rye bourbon or weeded bourbon. Um, but outside of Kentucky, we're somewhat between Scotland and Kentucky geographically. So <laughs> you're yeah. almost, you could almost be at sort of a halfway point, maybe 30. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. 35% maybe we could. Yeah. We should we should actually figure that out. I'm sure there's a way. I know. It's, uh, we just need a globe and a piece of string. Call it the, the halfway whiskey or something like that. Right. No, this is this is so good. And you make is it a is it the um, the house old fashioned is made with this in the tasting? Yeah, room? that's right. That's it's right. so good. So in an old fashioned, this just brings. And I had one of those when I was there in March. It just kind of brings those notes of that uh, that smoke up through sugar. It's just beautiful. Yeah, and uh, I I would say you know interestingly we did a um, a peated rye whiskey that was you know sort of if you if you're gonna go pita bourbon let's 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 take it to the final frontier which is peated <laughs> rye and that won the innovation award at the american craft spirits association uh awards this year um which is only given to one spirit wow well one whiskey at least um and and so i think the the sort of smoked whiskeys or peated whiskeys remains a little bit of an unexplored territory within American whiskey. And, and there's no reason we should leave that to the Scots to take over. So I'm trying to reclaim the peated territory for America and through this, this glass. Cheers. Very nice. Is there, do you, you ever wear a, a kilt when, when drinking this? <laughs> is, there, is there a Brooklyn kilt that's uh uh, I don't know. I have not. I mean, Brooklyn is a is a Dutch territory, and, and <laughs> I, my roots are are Dutch all the way back. So, I've I've not yet yielded to any Scotch impulses, um, and and prefer to sort of let the let the whiskey talk and not my the, the whiskey my apparel. <laughs> but um, I, I'm not to, I'm not going to say I wouldn't do it. So maybe it might take a Halloween or something like that. It could just uh, happen. This is yeah. this is so delicious, though, and I think this also really showcases uh, what craft distillers playing outside the box, and in what you know, I think what's needed if you're going to be a craft distiller and you're going to, especially right now, you're going to create something new. Um, you know, I, I should probably ask you this question: what What do you recommend as far as you know, putting your stamp on something? You know, other craft distillers watching, maybe new craft distillers, how can they be putting their stamp on what they're doing? This to separate themselves and to, to, to give something that's their own expression. Well, it is such a great time for American whiskey. There are so many yep. craft distillers opening up and really challenging what whiskey is. You know, I remember when people thought the idea of a barrel finished bourbon was just pure heresy. Right. And anybody trying to do that was, was ruining bourbon, you know, and now obviously Angel's Envy is perhaps the, the most well-known example of right. taking that to the mainstream. But you see, uh, um, you know, Nelson's Greenbrier and, and many different brands have really taken that barrel finishing story um, and, and run with it. There's a lot of uh, different grain bills, different grains that people have yet to really play around with. Obviously, American single malt is a huge category that uh, many craft distillers are trying to get off the ground. So um, it is, it's a gold rush without the money in American whiskey. So <laughs> if it's a gold rush for consumers because you get so much variety in American whiskey and, you know, I don't know that any of these styles are necessarily going to take off and become the new Jack Daniels, but 
I think, you know, in terms of getting variety out of what had been ultimately a pretty homogenous, not very different one brand to another landscape in, in if you look at sort of Kentucky bourbon and Tennessee whiskey. Right. Well, I think the peated, um, you know, I think the peated bourbon could very well be one of those that um, I don't know when it would happen, but could really uh, take off. And, and, and I mean, I hope it would be tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm yeah. waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, but I think it's one, Colin. That's it's so yeah. good that if enough people could try this, there would be the demand yeah. that would that would be like. No, and it. I mean, I'm I'm being somewhat modest. It does yeah. does very well. It's our most popular whiskey. So um, yeah, I do believe and, it, and it's available in. 20 states and seven countries and yeah it is yeah. it's so good how do you as a craft distiller you know as you're thinking about okay i have something that's so unique and enough people have to try this right because a lot of the game in in mm -hmm. with smaller brands is the liquid to lips and right now of course that's a little tougher as far as having oh, the sure, yeah. samplings but whether it's now or let's just say things like this had never happened how does a craft distiller take something they know is going to be a hit and get it in enough hands so that it can that it can become the next thing how does that right well one how, thing, happen? how can the, the 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 good and the bad of the right. whiskey business is that it's still very analog it's very done person to person um because of the three-tier system there's just this necessary separation from you and the consumer I mean, we could put it all online and 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 people would just take a flyer on it and and, and maybe they'd buy it and know it but to get all a retailer who's lined up, who really believes in it, and then a distributor who brings it to that state and believes in it, then you have a number of people behind the product who are in an influential position who can really say, this is something you should pay attention to. And that carries a lot more weight than somebody who happens to see an ad on Facebook and clicks on it and you know they, they get to try something, but they may not you know, it, it, again, it doesn't carry that weight of experience that comes with all those other people. Now, a lot of people are very set in their ways, and some people have certainly said a peated bourbon. I don't have a place for that. Pete, I don't like Pete. You know, it's just it comes down to <laughs> retailers are like, I, I know you don't like Pete, but you, you run a liquor store, so maybe somebody <laughs> who comes in your door might like Pete. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. uh, it gets down to like personal preference and taste and things like that. But um, ultimately, you know, just going out there with a story and, and products that, that illustrate that story and, yeah. and, and, and are genuinely like the, if the taste, <laughs> and the irony is that you get the, the taste makes very little difference in the end. There's so much of the business is around is, is marketing and right. relationships and, and hustle, but it, you know, as a small distiller, you got to have the product. If you don't have the product, then. I, and I we're know. hoping that that chances like this, um, where people can watch on social media, um, can help yeah. as well. You know, even if you don't have the uh, the peated bourbon in front of you, as as you wonder, how does that taste? I can tell you, this is. I mean, if you're a Scotch fan, if you're a bourbon fan, it, you know, it, it's it, you don't even have to be a Scotch fan. I don't think, do you, to really. Oh, oh, oh. So I mean, I appreciate this, but if you are, you can get the subtleties of both. And I think it could become one of those categories at some point where they say, hey, you know what? Kings County did this years ago and now it's hot. And I, again, try this yeah. out and, and keep on because we keep on trying every night to expose people to new things like the peated bourbon and like Kings County. Keep on coming back every night to bourbon blog. 
facebook.com forward slash live. And if you, if you, again, if you're in New York, you can get one of these, um, these taste, you can first of all order anything we're talking about, but you can get one of these tasting kits. Someone from the distillery will walk you through it. Uh, we're doing some similar tastings on Bourbon Blog where we're uh, walking people through uh, great stuff. Um, and I'll throw my, my email address up there too in case if you want to learn about our tastings, drop me a line at Tom at bourbonblog.com. Or if you just want to talk whiskey, because I love talking with whiskey with great people. And it's so much fun to talk whiskey with Colin. Now, someone just asked, I want to make sure someone, uh, Dan's watching from Indiana. You are in Indiana. Um, we are well distributed in Indiana. Well distributed, so you can well, find you can find the peated in, in Indiana, Dan. I know you can. Uh, I've seen it around here. Um, how many states are, are you in? Can you can we tell the states or those? Yeah, it's, uh, certainly all of the northeastern states up to maybe excluding Maine and Vermont. Um, we're in uh, a lot of the Midwest and South. Right. Um, so Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Arkansas, we just went into Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, a um, little bit on the West Coast in California, Oregon. You can find it, but you really got to look. Um, mostly, we don't go much beyond the Mississippi un unless we're talking Texas, Oklahoma. So um, many great places. But, uh, Missouri, Missouri. 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 Can, now, is Kentucky, are you... Um... Oof. <laughs> not yet in Kentucky. Just, and, uh, just occasionally, you may see Colin at an event passing through in Kentucky or something. Uh, hopefully, we will get here in the near future. I know we have in the past, but um, it's a uh, dream of mine to be distributed in Kentucky. But I understand sending bourbon to Kentucky is like you know tacos to Mexico, and people people would love it. And they already I know people in Kentucky that yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. will come. They they love your bourbon in Kentucky. So. Uh, no matter what, they'll look for ways to, to order it online. There's a lot of places, um, yeah, yeah. websites you can order it through, and and we've loved yeah, showcasing Caskers it. Caskers is a great uh, Which online one? avenue. Caskers. Caskers. All right, look for it on Caskers because uh, states. it's worth trying. It's at, we've 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 been lucky enough to feature your uh, your whiskeys on our Why Whiskey Educational Series in California and in New York and and all these states. People people love it. The peat is so interesting. The peat is so much fun. They're all so good. Okay, I think that. We would go to what the wheat the wheat whiskey the wheat whiskey the wheat whiskey, which I will concede I don't. I was scouring my archives here. I, I have the whole, you know. I try to keep one of every bottle. There's some wheat on top too, isn't there? Yeah, is it? Yeah, I like uh, that. But I couldn't find my weeded uh, bourbon. So uh, sorry. This is this is actually a wheat whiskey. Wheat so, whiskey. Um, so what that means is. So everybody knows bourbon and rye whiskey, but there are three other named categories of whiskey in the federal regulations, and wheat whiskey is one of them. There are, um, so far as I know, I mean, Bernheim is a wheat whiskey. Do you know? Uh, yep. Uh, other wheat whiskeys that are that are commercial. There's a few. Uh, there's a few out there. I think that it's a category that's being explored um, a little bit more, but. Um, to, not quite like what you're doing, you because you've yeah. only been doing it for a little while, right? Yeah, I mean, this has always been a little bit of a um, a niche. So this is another distiller exclusive. So I, I wanted to kind of pepper in those um, yeah. for the New Yorkers. So this is uh, I I want to say the mash bill is about sixty percent wheat, 
uh, 20% corn and then um, 20% malted barley. It really uh, changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. And so this is a, a, a little bit of a softer spirit than, than bourbon. Corn gives whiskey a, a brightness. Um, and this is a little, but it's, it's, it's a really cool spirit. And I, I don't oh, know why good. whiskey has never, I mean, weeded bourbon is so popular. You don't look at the Van Winkle, Maker's Mark, oh, yeah. um, Larceny, uh, uh, even some of the craft, big well-known craft distillers, Garrison Brothers usually does a wheat recipe. So given the popularity of weeded bourbon, I'm, I'm very surprised that wheat whiskey has not quite caught fire in the same way, but obviously you need people making it. And, and I don't know how many people are actually producing it. And, and speaking for ourselves, right. we haven't made very much of it because we don't know what the audience is. Could it be, are you hearing it on Bourbon Blanc first? Could it be the next big thing? Could we become the, after rye has, has had its, and, and the single malt, because single malt have become big in America, could wheat be yeah. the next thing? I would say wheat has a stronger argument than single malt. I mean, barley is not a particularly common American crop, but wheat is. And so the idea that um, we should make whiskey with what we are growing routinely, obviously we do grow corn, but wheat is probably uh, close uh, behind that. And so to, to and, and wheat whiskey follows the rules of, of American whiskey. So it's a new barrel as opposed to single malt, which can be a used barrel um, so it's a very familiar flavor profile, but, um, very, that's a cool whiskey. Um, it's, I think th it falls on, on marketing to, you know, help explain it to people and, and, and convince people that it's worth engaging with. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's soft. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of characteristic it has, uh, and mid palate and on the end, there's a really nice sort of, um, uh, arc it has with some of the sugars. It really it it goes some beautiful places. It's very elegant. But on the whole, what is what's wheat like to work with when it's a wheat whiskey, a majority uh, grain versus rye versus bourbon? How is it? How is it as compared to those to work with to age to perfect? Um, I would say it probably requires a little bit more aging than bourbon, right? Um, because it is a little bit of a softer grain. Um, it does maybe want a little bit more heft, a little bit higher proof, maybe. I mean, this that's yours is a 90 uh proof. Yeah. Um, I, I would say an 80 proof wheat whiskey would probably feel a little, a little thin. Um, the, the grain itself, um, is not drastically, it's, it's somewhere between rye, which distillers hate, and corn, which distillers love. Right. It's it's <laughs> it's a it's a little sticky. It's a little gummy, but not nearly as problematic as rye is. So, um, right. you know, it can it can, and it's it's such a familiar, bready kind of accessible. You know, when you're distilling it, the distillery smells great. Right. Um, oh, it's so, it's so no. Why why is why is rye so tough? I mean, I I I've, I understand it to a degree, but. Why is rye so difficult to, to work with for a distiller? Uh, I don't know. There, there's a, probably a scientific answer that, that would be more satisfying. But the short answer is that the, it's sticky and it, you can make your heating element less efficient because it'll kind of cake onto the heating element. And so it takes you a lot longer to do a run. Your yields are lower. 
it just has less starch in it to convert to sugar in the way that corn. Um, so we'll do a, a run, a typical day of rye yields us about 80 proof gallon, 90 proof gallons, whereas bourbon would give us up upwards of 125, 130. So, um, you know, right there, you're, you're getting almost two thirds the yield of your bourbon when you make rye. So it's always a little bit of a niche for us. Um, the wheat whiskeys, the yields, if I remember, they were fine, but, um, um, but not as straightforward as, I mean, there's just corn is so we're, we're so we as distillers, and this is probably true of the big guys as well. We're so used to working with corn that to mix it up, there's always a little hesitation there. And so as, um, as much as we have fun with these special projects, it's, it's always a little bit like you don't want to get stuck with something that, you know, is going to require you to shut down for a day to clean everything right. out. Right. You know, so that's, this is the wheat whiskey. Again, this is distillery only. This is distillery only. Yeah. Distillery only. At some point, we might be seeing it elsewhere. It can happen. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe just, you guys embrace wheat whiskey and, and give it its due, which right. I think, again, it's, it's totally deserving of. Yeah. Uh, but until that day, it, it remains a little bit of a hard product to, to convince people to, to, to check into, but that's maybe one of the reasons why I thought of it for this venue, because really you have the opportunity to really explain yeah, it and really. to justify it. Yeah, the softness, the the elegance of it is something that's um, just really splendid. And, and again, I, I think it could work in a cocktail, but I think to really appreciate yeah. all that it has, drink it by itself or just with yeah. a little bit of water or a rock. Uh, it's it's beautiful stuff. Again, the uh, the wheat's distillery only. Is it sort of a permanent distillery only release? It's not or not just a limited. Until we run out of it. I mean, we we yeah. actually were once doing a a flight of rye, corn, wheat, and oat whiskeys. Okay. So um, and the oat was very popular for whatever reason, and and so we sold out of that. But yeah. the, wheat, the wheat has stayed. Uh, we we still have a little bit of it left. I I invested in it because I thought it was good whiskey and that people would appreciate it, but. But it, I do find it's one of those things that it requires a little explaining what it is and why people should should like it. So even though wheat is probably of all the grains that people are familiar with from cooking in their own kitchens, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the reason that people look over it because they 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 see corn. I mean, they see wheat all the time in their flour and baking bread and that kind of thing. So, it's really nice. I like it. I think it, I think especially these next to each other, you really begin to appreciate uh, the subtleties, how different these whiskeys are. Again, the white rye only available at the distillery, the bourbon, of course, available everywhere that you're distributed. Uh, yeah. The peated as well, distributed yeah. available everywhere. Uh, what else is available outside the distillery? So we, we have a um, single malt whiskey that comes with a black cap. So yes. any the color of our cap determines the primary ingredient. So uh, yeah. barley is black, rye is gold, corn is silver, and wheat is white. So um, there's that. Um, we have a bottled and bond bourbon. We have a barrel strength bourbon and the empire rye. Those are not well, I mean, they're, 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 we have limited amounts of those last three that I mentioned, the barrel strength, the bottled and bond, and the empire rye. Um, yeah. But they're distributed everywhere that we are distributed. Right. So. Um, maybe ask your local store to 
Savia bottle when that when that comes out. And the single uh, malt is single malts everywhere. Peated um, and bur and straight bourbon, flagship bourbon. Those are wide distribution, seven fifty bottles. You can get them anywhere. Those others so far are only in three seven fives. And you have a. Now we talked about the um, the fact that today it, this oldest barrel, the seven year, it's being dumped today. It's actually not the oldest barrel that we have in inventory. We do it's have the oldest a barrel you ever dumped. It's the oldest barrel that we will have dumped. We have a uh -huh. nine year that's just, just turning seven. You do out. have a nine year. Yeah, for everybody who's like, what's the oldest barrel you have? We will forever say that one and uh, wait till it's 50 years old. And wait, pretty wait sure have entirely evaporated away by then. <laughs> it's going to be older. And then you have um, then you have another bourbon that's coming. Is it in the next few weeks? Is it a, a, a barrel strength that's coming out soon or a bottle and bond that's... What's the other one that's coming out soon? Uh, we, we have a new batch of Bottled and Bond. So new batch of Bottled and Bond. We have a new season of Bottled and Bond. So our um, uh, latest season, I believe, is coming from fall 2016, I guess. Yeah. No, uh, spring 2016. So we're, those barrels are coming due. We're, we're evaluating them. And then we do have a barrel strength that's coming due. That will be a pretty big release. So that's getting into some higher age statement bourbons going into that batch. Um, but then we'll continue to do these little one-off distillery only um, on, uh, blender select, which is when Ryan pulls a barrel that he finds interesting or um, for now, anything with an age statement over six years, seven years will be available only through the distillery. There may be some private barrel picks that, um, <laughs> you can find here and there and that may get up to six years from other sources. But um, uh, for, in terms of wide release, that's, that's what we have. Nice. And then, and the uh, barrel strength, there'll be a more wider release will be this fall. What's that? That will be this fall, the barrel strength. That uh, Ryan is, I mean, I will say we've, we've been a little slowed down with pandemic, sure, sure. you know, bottling. So I don't want to place too much pressure on Ryan, but um, it's, it's in the queue for, I would guess in July, that'll get bottled. So for and August, August release. And the single barrels again, are those only at the distillery or can you do a single barrel picks or what's the. Well, retailers often or whiskey clubs can do single barrel picks. And right. uh, so we, we will open the warehouse periodically to, that and and really that's those are barrels that that ryan flags for because they're um so there's a number of retailers that we work with um uh who uh, you know I'll, i should come up with a list and put publish them to the website because i think that would be a, a nice way to kind of send some business their way but we've had yeah. retailers in missouri texas uh um connecticut um uh, New York and New Jersey do single barrel picks and, and those are, we usually give them some nice stuff. Nice. Another uh, veteran, uh, very experienced in the restaurant industry, Walter Edwards Jr., buddy of mine also says, absolutely my favorite bourbon slash single malt. Thanks. We appreciate Walter watching. I know he's a big fan of it uh, there at Entwined in Evansville, Indiana. He carries your bourbon. He loves it. And, cool. um, and so do I. We're big fans of this. And, uh, Hey, I think we have. I think we have one more to, to taste. Yes, it we do. The, it is the chocolate flavored whiskey, uh, which it's always. This is and this again was one of your among your first that you released, wasn't it? 
That's right. That's right. This was uh, after the moonshine. This was the kind of the second product that we made. Um, and this one, I think, is a, is, is a weird one, I have to say. But it illustrates um, that we, you know, I, I, again, the, the, the whiskey connoisseurs, I think we make a lot of whiskey that speaks to a person who knows whiskey very well. Right. Um, How dark that is. It's so beautiful, isn't it? But this is, it's an unaged whiskey. So it's, 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 a, it's essentially an infused moonshine with cocoa husks mm. from a chocolatier. Now, this particular batch, and I believe the batch that you have, we switched from Mass Brothers, who was a neighbor of ours in Brooklyn, and then they moved out of Brooklyn. They moved their factory. So we switched our factory to another local producer for practical reasons. And so we're now working with Rocket Chocolate, which is a little bit of a different um, flavor profile than we once had. But yeah. I don't know that it's something that everybody will pick up on, but it's something that makes it a little different than if, if you have it. It is. It, wow. they, they both. They both were. Well, the original was great. This is also very great, and it's. I think there's some creamier notes here. That's. I think it's just so nice. It's. It's so yeah. good. One thing they do is they. It's. It's an unroasted chocolate, so it's. It's a little bit closer to the original plant, if you will. Yes. Um, and so that makes it kind of interesting. Um, but this is a this is a dessert whiskey. It's a whiskey that you can make an infinite number of cocktails with, and you don't need very much of it because it's so bitter. It has in common with those Italian digestive mm -hmm. kind of after dinner bitter drinks. Um, so uh, it's it's not very sweet. People hear chocolate whiskey and they think something fireball, screwball, something like that, and it's it has no sugar added. Yeah. Someone saying that uh, the best chocolate infused whiskey ever. I, I completely agree. This is something that's so, <laughs> this is something that's so special, and it's it's both it's both uh, you know uh, reflective of what's sweet in chocolate to a degree, but also that bitter element. I mean, you have to really appreciate that bitter element, and it's it really reminds you what chocolate is. That's what yeah, it is. yeah. <clears throat> it's a beautiful beautiful elixir, um, and as Italian spirits have become more popular. The last five, ten years. I mean, this is something that really is. Would you put this with an Italian spirit? Is there any cocktails you've done that have have sort of been reminiscent of that? Or I mean, I I just I I'm not uh, great with cocktails, uh, you know. But I I think there's it's so much fun if you're into cocktails and you like to play. Get this whiskey. It is just such a fun thing to play around with. You can do a chocolate mint julep. You can do a chocolate old fashioned. You can do a chocolate. Um, there's kind of a, a um, like a Mexican hot chocolate kind of thing you can do with a spicy ancho reyes liqueur. Um, it just there's a lot of ways to play this, and and so if you're into playing around and you like chocolate at all, get this whiskey. It yeah. is it is so good. So many special ones. I mean, the bourbon just the classic release, the moonshine. Very special, yeah. the bourbon so special. But then you've taken things always a step forward, Colin, with the chocolate, the peated. Um, what's 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 going to be the next thing that you that you're going to bring forward? I mean, you always have been very innovative. Are there any innovations that you're that we haven't mentioned that you're working on? <laughs> I I mean, we might someday come out with a whiskey that's not quite so expensive. That that would be a fun. That is a has been a challenging and yet fun project. Right. Uh, Are you working on that now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, worked on it 
a while back and it's aging. So, nope. so there's that going on. Um, you know, I, nothing is off the table as long as it's in the world of whiskey, even whiskey adjacent things like brandy and apple jack, um, we would consider. Um, so who knows? I would keep a, the one thing we probably are not going to do is a sourced whiskey. We, we're going to make everything that we sell. You've always made it all. Yeah. And that's, so that's uh, in this, you know, I think that's something to be proud of and to actually finally see that come of age um, where we have whiskey that's age comparable to pretty much anything out on the market. That, that feels really like a, a, a watershed moment. So, so here we are and, and hopefully <laughs> I don't know how the next six months are going to go, but uh, I don't necessarily see any reason to panic, but um, you know, we're, we're here. <laughs> you, you've done an amazing job uh, all these years, my friend, and uh, I appreciate you being here today. I question I think I asked you last time and that I've asked all the craft distillers is what do you think that uh, this time has meant and will mean for um, those that are craft distillers as we as we move forward? Of course, we're still an uncertain yeah. future, but what will this look like? Well, I think it's it's solidified for me how important your community is. And if you're a craft distiller, hopefully you <laughs> you have a community that you serve first. I think we have a brand that has appealed to any a national audience. And I think we make whiskeys that appeal nationally, but ultimately the people who are gonna keep you in business when times are tough are the people who are down the street from you. And I, I, I do hope um, that in the way that we've responded to our community in various things that have happened over the past three months that people see that and appreciate it. And, and we appreciate it in return that people are continuing to come pick up cocktails to say hello. I mean, it is a time where people are very disconnected. So even just picking up a bottled cocktail and, and, and um, you know, means a lot to us for sure. That's cool. You can get cocktails to go there and you can learn all about it. Kingscountydistillery.com. You can get some of the uh, whiskeys delivered to you if you're in New York. And obviously, if you're in one of those great states that carries it, look for it. And um, if you're not, look on Caskers, right? That'd be the best place to yeah, find it. Right. <laughs> they have it. They have it. This is uh, so much fun. And, and, a, and a happy, uh, I guess, a happy birthday to the barrel that turned seven. That's that's so cool. It's so cool to be talking to you on that day that yeah. this is happening. And so many new projects coming. The um, the uh, barrel-proof bourbon coming probably at some point in the next three to six months, it sounds like. So many great things coming from you. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. And definitely look for Colin's books too. Uh, the uh, the first one being the Guide to Urban Moonshining, and then the uh, Dead Distillers, which is so interesting. It's about Dead Distillers. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's such a great book. Talk, talk, what actually talk, led talk. you to write that anyway? What, what? How did you decide to write a book about the, the Dead Distillers? That we were doing a cemetery tour of Dead Distillers, and I was like, how many distillers could be buried in a Brooklyn cemetery? And there were so many. And I, I started looking through old newspapers and looking for, there were just, you just, cemeteries tell stories that newspapers don't. And, and the, the people who did something, um, I, I just got very taken with that and visited Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville and um, uh, Cincinnati and, and uh, Pittsburgh visited cemeteries in Bardstown. Um, so really got to see kind of where these distillers ended up and uh i don't know it just it's, it's a history book mostly but but also a little bit of a an appreciation not necessarily for whiskey but for those that make whiskey which is 
it takes a certain personality, I have to say. And so <laughs> usually a, a very charismatic, fun personality. So uh, pick up a copy of the book. You have three US presidents were distillers, who knew? Um, so uh, I'll, I'll let you buy the book and find out which ones. Um, that is, that's really cool. It's now that both both great books and so many uh, so many people that have tried it or so many people like Anthony who just commented that they're going to be trying these uh, soon. Colin, thanks for joining us here on Bourbon Blog Live, and hopefully we'll be seeing you soon in New York. And and best wishes to uh, you and your team during this time. You guys have done a great job uh, continuing to bring the whiskey, the hand sanitizers to people that need them, and uh, keep up the great work there. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Great to see you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, like this video, share it. And if you joined it midway through, go back, watch it, and come back again tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back again here on bourbonblog.com forward slash live. Colin, great, great to see you. We're offline.